morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to 90 Day Soiree, the only 90 Day Fiancé podcast that went backpacking through Europe in college. What? Is that even a joke? <laughs> it's just so real, it's not even funny. Okay. Yeah. I know. Hey, everybody. This is a podcast about our college European backpacking expeditions. I didn't go back. Do people actually do that in college? What? How do you have money to go backpacking in college? You don't. That's why you backpack. Yeah. That's why you stay at hostels and stuff for like 10 bucks yeah. a night. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I missed out. I mean, it's it's not. It's And then there, you know how there's always like that travel place like right by a campus, you know, and like they're always advertising like tickets to Europe are like 37 cents. Yeah, that's true. And it's like five connections to get there. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I just miss going anywhere in college where like anywhere you go, any like function, there's free pizza. That's what I miss. That's the only part of college I miss is the free, free pizza. pizza, a credit card application and a T-shirt <laughs> everywhere you go in college. All right. How was everybody's weekend? We, we drove up to Dallas to go to the uh, the drive through state fair. <laughs> Why? That's a th- we wanted corn dogs. Hey, you want corn dogs? You got to drive to Dallas. Go to the drive through state fair, pay $65, get yourself a corn dog. Was it worth it? It was fun. It was fun to like go somewhere during a pandemic, even if you're just in your car. <laughs> cotton candy. We declined the cotton candy as we drove by. We kept our window just cracked and yelling, no, thank you. No, <laughs> no thank miss. you. Tried so <laughs> no hard. miss. No miss. They were like following our, the car for a few feet. We had to speed up and lose them. Like no cotton candy. That's too much. <laughs> the guy like jump on the... Uh... The trunk, like the fucking T-1000. He's like, you will buy the Gaggered his way up to... We don't need any of that. There was a survey to take for a free Chevrolet t-shirt. We also declined that one, and we kept the window cracked and drove through quickly, safely. <laughs> I don't want your Chevy t-shirt. I don't want your credit card application. I'll take your fried Oreos. And then you wash it down with your f- special State Fair flavored Borden milk. <laughs> There's oh, no. banana taffy, Ugh. cotton candy, cherry pie, and then we got... What, what's the flavor of the milk? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> banana taffy. Hey, everybody, you may have heard a new voice just now. Maybe we should do some introductions. Yeah, we have a uh, special guest today. We do. Uh, this is uh, a Jake Carr. Oh, I fucked it up. How do you say your last name? Ket Carr. <laughs> Ket Carr. Ajay Kekar, yeah, uh, he is a uh, buddy of mine. Uh, he is a lawyer from Houston, also like myself, a first-generation American. Ajay, where are your parents from? They are originally from India. Originally from India. Boy, do we have questions What a coincidence. <laughs> what a coincidence. Because, guys, Ajay's, the, the <laughs> other way is back <laughs> from its mid-season break. And look at it. It's like we're back to hour and a half episodes. We are. And, and we're back to substance, too. Because like tell alls yeah. are fun. Although, although the show literally did start with paint drying. That's true. Yet again. So Jay, you've been to uh, India a few times, right? Yeah, I've been uh, a lot of times growing up. Uh, yeah, like I'd say about ten times uh, throughout my entire life. So Jay, do you ever feel any pressure uh, by your parents or other extended family to get married to a Indian woman? Every day since. I can remember like, like literally like growing up, you know, of course, you know, your, your parents are like, you know, no girls only like focus on your schoolwork. But then when you do become interested in girls, you have to marry an Indian woman and not just 
an Indian woman, an Indian woman like from our part of India. <laughs> Whoa, okay. And w- which is what part? So it's uh, the state of India. It's called Maharashtra. It's the west, like on the western side of India. It's like where Mumbai is, okay. um, kind of like how we have 50 states. India has some 20 odd states, I believe. Don't quote me on that. And uh, they are as diverse. I mean, they're more diverse than, you know, the states we have in, in America. Hmm. So does it have to be from your specific state or the surrounding state? The specific state. So it's kind of like if you're from the West Coast, you could only marry a West Coast. Coast. Yeah, like (laughs) Washington, Oregon, California, like you have to marry within that group. Yeah. And it sounds kind of weird when you put it like in those American terms. The the reason is like the way the states are divided, there's a lot of different um, cultural and ethnic distinctions and practices between, you know, certain regions of India. No, I get it. If if, I mean, if I grew up in California and my kids grew up in California, I wouldn't want to marry someone from Florida. I mean, come on. (laughs) Right. So I get it. But also there's there's a language distinction too, right? Because there are a few dozen official languages. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, you could go, you could take someone from Maharashtra and place them on the other side of India. And unless, I mean, English is obviously is prevalent throughout the entire country, but, you know, the native languages, they would have no idea. So do you feel that people in India, uh, and I know your parents might be different now living in the United States, but for your family that still does live in India, do they feel social pressure a lot more or does it impact their decisions in their lives a lot more than people view social pressure? here? I don't think it's, it's pressure. I don't think they're following the social norms because they feel that there's pressure on them to follow social norms. I just think those are the norms that they've been, you know, that they've adopted or that they, you know, believe. And so they want me to do that. There's one couple in particular that we wanted to ask you about who's been on the show, like what, three seasons? I think this is their, their third season or second? I think it was second, second season. Second season? Think, okay. Yeah. Second season. So it's Jenny and Sumit. Okay. And Sumit lives in India. He's Indian. And Jenny is from Palm Springs, California. She uproots her life and, and moves over there. So that's that's kind of where we're at. But there's a lot of history and there's a lot to unpack. So let's let's kind of slowly introduce Ajay to the very complicated tapestry that is their relationship. And quick, quick question. Uh, what's Jenny's ethnicity? She's white. Very white. Okay. Okay. Su- super white. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I get that yeah. part. And that's, that's all we're going to say it for the moment. <laughs> That's because there's there is more to know, okay. but we're not going to go deeper than that right now. OK, she did. But under kind of strange circumstances. So I think, Ajay, the, the first question is, let's say you um, you're an adult. Let's say you still live with your parents. Let's say maybe you live in India. I have this friend that I met online and they're coming to visit and I'd like them to stay here. How would your parents react to that? If I told my, my parents like, oh, hey, I have a friend of mine is coming and uh, can you stay with us? You know. They would probably be, you know, oh, you know, of course, we're, you know, very hospitable and, um, you know, sure, he can stay, you know, we'd love to meet him, that that sort of attitude. And that's probably generally what they would they would be like. They'd want to be very hospitable because, you know, if it's especially if it's their child's friend, they would be totally fine. Okay. With that. Now, bear in mind, you're in your early 30s. I'm saying maybe in real life, but also in the context of this situation, <laughs> right? Now, you said he a lot. 
What if this friend is a she? Would they be okay with that? Probably not. Okay. I, and when I say they wouldn't be okay with it, I would guess that they would immediately believe there's there's something going on here because typically, you know, you don't have a female friend come stay with you or stay with your family unless there's something clearly more serious going on. Hmm. Okay. It's like, you know, the question would be like, you know, why doesn't she stay with her, you know, girlfriends in the same town or same city, you know, and, you know, why, why does she come, why is she coming here? And then they would, they would get suspicious and they would begin to ask lots of questions. And, and even if you try to, you know, deflect, they would still be generally suspicious about the nature of, of your relationship with her. Let's keep adding to it. Now, let's say that this, this female friend is a woman from California. I don't know what they would do because I think, you know, I, I try to imagine, you know, how my parents would react, but my parents would definitely not react the same way that, un, you know, my parents had they continued to live in India and lived under those norms and, and that culture. And if I, you know, grew up under that culture, they would react in the same okay. way, if that makes it does. sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know, like if they, you know, first, if it's my friend, then it's a female friend and then it's, you know, a white, a white woman, they would definitely be like, whoa, what's going on? Like, and they would rightfully believe or have suspicions that, okay, there's, there's clearly some sort of romantic interest here. Then they would probably do something to start uh, engaging in, I guess, defense uh, for lack of a better word, to to say, oh, we need to we need to utilize our network to find a jail wife. Otherwise, you know, we're going to be oh. stuck with this woman that we don't know. Okay, do you, let me ask you this: Do you think your your mom would like host her around, like show her shops, take her like to take her shopping, for instance, in the market? You guys are missing a big part. Are we missing it on purpose? I think we're missing it on purpose for uh, okay. for the next mo. Let, let's let's see what the answer to this is, and then we'll throw in the, the one of the last okay. ingredients. My mom, yes, she would you know be hospitable and and show around town and take her out and and all that. Um, but I would not be surprised if there was definitely more from someone else, not not my mom. If there, I would not be surprised if another mother was more passive aggressive, if not outright hostile to you know not even letting them stay, huh. or at least bringing them into the home and then saying, no, you know, she's not staying. Right. But assume, assume like you are able as, you know, cause you're a very talented lawyer. You're able to convince your parents through lying. <laughs> that's very much what goes mm-hmm. on here, that this is just a friend. They have nothing to worry about. So they're, they trust you. An internet friend from California woman, right? Okay. Let's, let's say they're on board for all of this. Now, this woman is twice your age. She's older than your mom. Oh, there would there would definitely be questions at the very least, if not outright like objection. Uh-huh. There would definitely be there would definitely be questions, and it's not like, oh, there's too old. It's that they're thinking of like, oh, well, what about grandchildren? Like, you know, is she does she you know if she doesn't have kids by now or she already has kids that are you know almost grown up? Are we going to get our own grandchildren? And so that that would be one of the major concerns based on, you know, the age mm-hmm. gap. So this woman's twice your age. You've convinced your parents that she's just a friend, but your dad catches you sneaking up to her room at night to talk for hours in the middle of the night. For hours in the middle of the night, alone, door closed. A great conver- what a great conversation partner. 
Well, you know, she's lived a long time. She has a lot to say. She does. <laughs> a lot of life experience. Okay. Yeah. So m- maybe the picture is starting to become a little more clear, right? So yes. I'll, I'll summarize where we're at and then uh, and then we'll, we'll go a little bit further. Okay. So Jenny and Sumit met online. And as Kristen explained, he, he was either catfishing or scamming or, or otherwise not portraying his real self to her. She developed feelings for this guy, Mike. Mike reveals himself to be Sumit. She doesn't care. They continue talking. I think they were talking for like a year or two online. Jenny goes to India. Sumit convinces his parents that this is just a friend. They met online, whatever. Uh, she wants to to visit India and learn about India and, and we should be hospitable and whatever. She moves into the, the bedroom upstairs and stays for how many months? I think four. Four months in your parents' house with you. Meanwhile, you're sneaking up every night to go talk and your dad catches you at some point, right? Now, this is this <laughs> is the situation, okay? She, I guess, goes back to California for a while and they realize, uh-oh, we have a problem. I guess that the father finds him a bride. They convince him to get married to this other woman. It doesn't work out or it's not going well. And meanwhile, he continues to talk to Jenny back in California but I believe he never tells Jenny that he got married. Nope. So he kept that a secret, but kept up the pretenses of a relationship with with Jenny in California. After they hung out for four months in the bedroom upstairs and she went back to California, there's a second oh, so the trip to India. That, that was just them. a long dragging out of uh, her eventually finding out he was still married, mm-hmm. right? And they got their own apartment. Things seemed great, but could never really get him to stay there for very long. He kept going home to check in with his parents. And his wife? Well, she yes. didn't know about the wife. She didn't know about the wife. <laughs> he would say he got to check in with his parents and had to work, and um, she was just mostly alone in there, and things clearly weren't honest there. He rented them an apartment to live in. Yes. with He got nice furniture. What do you think, what would your parents do, you know, so they knew, obviously, you were married because they are arranged the marriage for you, but they found out you had a second apartment with a old white lady. (laughs) (laughs) The same old white lady that they had just lived with for four months under the guise that she was an internet friend. It's weird because I have to put myself through a double hypothetical about what would I, I have done this double life and secret life type thing. And now my parents are finding Mm -hmm. out about my hypothetical secret double mm-hmm. life they would probably be like what the hell are you doing like yes there's obviously the you know let's call it what it is the infidelity with your actual wife and then it would just be sort of me lying to them because you know they're sort of part of the relationship between me and my i guess actual wife so you think they would call you they, or they would bring it they would if they found out they would bring it up with me and like you know address it and say like you know what the hell are you doing like you know you, you have a wife at the very least you know the fact that you have a wife means you should end your other relationship if they knew where your secret apartment was and that you were there what would they do i don't know if they would like go all the way out there to like surprise me like one day i come home and they're already there in the in the in my secret place um so I don't know if they would go go so far as to do that. So obviously, like this, this happened, right? They they stormed over to the apartment, right. and confronted her, and 
pulled him out and took him home and all this. So Jenny now lives in Sumit's secret. And she yeah. has no idea that he's married and that when he says, I'm, I got to go check in with my parents, he actually means I have to go live with my family. How does she buy that? I mean, I was under the understanding that, okay, he leaves California <laughs> to go back to India for weeks at a time and then comes back. That seems at least more plausible and more able to be, I guess, pull off that than oh, I'm going to disappear for weeks even though we're in the same city. Could you understand why he would feel pressure to get married? Like, and if they found him a wife in India? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know how to explain it. Just this weird, you know, this pressure that you just you just feel like, oh, like, you know, my parents have done everything for me and my parents want the best for me. And, you know, so I should go along. Like if everything they've done so far in the first, you know, 25 to 30 years of my life have been to support me where I believe it's been to support me, then why is this decision any different? And so you feel that, oh, I'll, I'll just listen to my parents and, you know, they did it and my grandparents before that did it. And so it all works out. And, and there's a pressure to not create conflict, mm-hmm. not sort of, rock the boat. Um, have, yeah. Rock the boat, have that independent streak. Cause you're you're afraid i mean the pressure comes from you don't know what's going to happen if you sort of don't do what they want you to do or you create this fear in your mind about what'll happen to you in terms of being the black sheep and being ostracized if you don't do what they want you to do mm. there's a pressure to be you know for them for, for if my parents were over there there would be a pressure to be like you know we need you to not be so weird because you know, <laughs> other people, other people are, are judging us and, and it's affecting our relationships with other mm. people because basically they're saying, you know, Oh, look at that couple. Look at Ajay's parents. You know, they clearly did something it's wrong. It's kind of like this bringing what shame Ajay on doing. the family in a way. Yeah, yes. That's, that's the, the word oh, I was okay. looking for that I couldn't. How common is is the whole arranged marriage thing in Indian culture? Is it the majority of the time? Is it all the time? Is it, or is it, are we blowing it out of proportion? Well, you have to, um, I don't know if you guys, I guess, um, if you guys saw sort of uh, the show that came on Netflix uh, earlier this yes. summer or in the middle of summer, Indian matchmaking. Oh, no. So there's this, <laughs> <laughs> there's, talking about there's this conception, <laughs> there's this conception that arranged marriage is like, oh, the, you know, the bride and groom literally meet at the altar the day or at the moment of Mm. the wedding, right? That's maybe how it was done decades and centuries ago. But even, you know, among my parents, you know, their arranged, like when I say arranged marriage, it wasn't really arranged marriage. Like the meeting between them was clearly, you know, facilitated by both families, but it wasn't like, you know, my mom, being told by my grandfather, like you show up at this date at this time to this place and you're going to get married. You, we don't know who, like, you don't know who the guy is. Hmm. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. It was like, you know, they were introduced to each now, other. Were these two families friends and they were just like, Hey, it'd be cool if our kids got together. Or was there some sort of like heated rivalry and this union was a way to bring peace to the realm? <laughs> No, we're we're not trying to ally rival fiefdoms okay. here. Uh, <laughs> um, it was just like you know, you know, my my mom, my mom, her parents were like, you know, oh, we know this family. It's a it's a great family, and they didn't they weren't. I I don't think they were extremely close friends, but they just knew of the you know my dad's family, and you know there were go betweens that you know facilitated communications, and they said, okay, well maybe they should meet and. 
they did. So, and they, you know, got to know each other, I guess, a few times. And then, and then it was kind of, then comes the weird part where it's like, you know, here we're used to like dating for months, even years before saying, okay, I'm, you know, ready to fully commit to this person through marriage. For them, it was like, oh, a few meetings and be like, yeah, you know, like, I guess I could get married to the guy or I guess I could get married to her. And Mm. then, you know, off to make arrangements. How common is (laughs) romantic love in Indian culture? It's becoming more common. Um, It's definitely um, not, I I would, I would say, I don't, I don't have data on this. I don't have numbers on this, but I would say the trend from the course of my life growing up, what I've seen, it's definitely becoming more common uh, to, you know, find a partner in the, in the way that we're used to in terms of putting yourself out there and dating and, you know, meeting people through your friends, like, you know, um, introducing you to one another and stuff like that and meeting people in so normal social settings and, and asking them out and mm. creating a relationship. Okay. That way. So it's, it's not, it's not unheard of. It's not unusual. It's just not quite in fashion. Yeah. And there's actually, there's actually a well, it's it's a growing trend that's that's it, that's you know becoming more and more commonplace, and I think that there's a term for it um, to distinguish it from the typical arranged marriage in, in India, and the term is called uh, love marriage, where it's like, oh, well, they you know the the boy and girl um, you know fall in love the way we we in Western society traditionally conceive or think of relationships developing hmm. and forming. So this Indian matchmaking show you were talking about on Netflix, did, did, did you uh-huh. audition for it? Laura told me. You, no, I no, did not. She, I, I had no idea that it was like happening until it like premiered on Netflix. Did you, like did you, in did summer, you do an Indian matchmaking service. I discovered, I should say that I was uh, signed up for a service. What? Um, <laughs> I, I, I can, I can tell you, I can tell you the story. It, it's one of the most surreal things that has happened to me in, t- in my entire life. I come into my parents' house one day and uh, oh, oh, I'll, I'll start the story this way. Literally the, the day, like the moment that I found out that I pa- passed the bar exam and I became a lawyer, right? I, the first call I made was to my parents and I'm like, you know, telling, I'm excited. I'm telling them I passed the bar exam. And uh, my dad, of course, is like, oh, congratulations. We're so proud of you, all that. And then the first thing my mom says is, oh, great. Now you can get married. As if <laughs> oh. I, I had just studied to get was a license to get married and not a license to practice law. So that, that's what we're talking. That's what we're dealing with in terms of, of pressure here. Like the first thing I was told when I passed the bar exam was great. Now you, you have no married. excuse. And you're the, you're the uh, oldest uh, uh, male in your family. Exactly. Too, right? No, no, no. I'm, I'm actually the younger of um, I have one older oh, okay. brother. Um, and so I'm, I'm, and is he I'm married? brother. Uh, okay. not anymore. Yeah, he he yeah. was, but no, no, no longer. There's always, you know, the recurring question whenever I'm I'm visiting my parents, like, you know, are you seeing anyone? Are you dating anyone? And um, I'm I me personally, I'm pretty coy about that entire aspect of my life. Um, at least in terms of talking to my parents about it, because it's this weird dynamic where it's like for for 25 years they're just like not interested and and not interested in that aspect of of my life and then all of a sudden they're asking me like oh who are you dating it's like well you haven't talked to me about this in 27 (laughs) years uh we're not you can't just come out the gate like this um but anyways i I come home one day and in high school and you didn't even care (laughs) oh oh, yeah because you know everyone wants to date the uh, nerdy indian debater kid 
<laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so I come home one day to visit my parents, and my dad's like, I want to show you something. And I'm like, cool. And so he breaks out, and I, I say sheet of paper, but it's actually multiple sheets of like computer paper taped together. Like he's unfurling this giant like scroll, it seems. <laughs> and, and, and it's basically, it's, it's an Excel spreadsheet that he's clearly printed out and it printed out on multiple sheets of paper that he's taped together oh because God forbid he just email it as an attachment <laughs> that I can just open up on my phone or computer. Um, and it's literally just a rows of eligible bachelors and bachelorettes that the their information has been compiled for purposes or this mat that all these families have sent their like kids information to this matchmaker and uh and i'm scrolling through it like just basically making it look to, like i'm looking at the information for to humor my dad but uh and then i see my name <laughs> on uh, uh the spreadsheet and, and literally the the only information um on here is like obviously name um religion part of india that they're from oh my gosh you're right uh, where yeah. they went to school where where they went to school uh what they majored in what they're currently doing like what their current occupation is and like general basic generic like interests and hobbies type type thing and what's funny is um i'm looking and it's like when i say generic i'm like it's like traveling exercising cooking i'm like okay those are great but that really doesn't tell me anything about them and then i look to like my row and it's of course like you know um a lawyer and you know works as a lawyer in and like it has it has geographic location because not all of these people are in 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 houston let alone texas or the united or, or let alone texas i should say there's people from like all over the country and like some parts of canada like on like toronto and vancouver and so what you're saying um, is you can be a contestant next look, year on 90 day fiance <laughs> <laughs> apparently but uh to make a long story short i basically tell i tell my dad like I, I get upset i'm like i didn't want you to do this i think it's like i i don't like the fact that you sent my information to this per this complete stranger who i don't even know who this woman is this matchmaker and um i sort of just like give it give the sheet of paper back to him and i I say like, don't ever do this again. Like, I'm just really upset about this. Yeah. Uh, back and so th that's like that happened like a year or two ago. Uh, back in April, like when I'm like quarantined, working from home, I get an email and it's from I guess the matchmaker that was compiling this list, and they're saying like, you know, um, oh, we think you'd be a perfect match for so and so. Um, are you interested? And I'm just like, you know what? At this point, screw it. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen like oh i meet someone new like oh well and so even though um i've never met this matchmaker before and I'm, i don't even know this woman that they're um matching me up with i say yes and i do you know some light facebook stalking because i have you know they give me the whole name and i look up uh this woman on facebook and she first of all lives in honolulu hmm. so uh I don't think she's going to be in Houston anytime soon. So that's a weird way to start a relationship, a trans specific relationship. And, uh, but I see that we have three mutual friends and one of uh, our mutual friends is someone I went to law school with that I'm good friends with. And so I said, okay, you know, she seems from her Facebook profile, she seems very, you know, pleasant and normal. And so I said, why not? And uh, literally the next day, 
uh, well, actually, sorry, before I, before I say, uh, tell the matchmaker I'm interested, I text my friend that the mutual friend that we had and I say, Hey, do you know this person? Um, is she cool? Is she weird? Um, and he has nothing but good things to say about her. And I tell her the context in which I tell him the context in which I know her. And he thinks, Oh, we'd be perfect for each other. And so I said, cool. Like so kismet. I tell the You're matchmaker, like, oh, yes, I'd, I'd be, yeah. And so literally 24 hours later, I get an email from the matchmaker and it's just one line that says, she is not interested. Oh. <laughs> and this all stems from your parents trying to pair you up in this whole process. Yeah. I mean, obviously it wouldn't have happened, but even the attempt wouldn't have happened had I not um, been on this Excel spreadsheet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite illuminating. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's um it seems like generally in in Indian culture parents are really actively involved in children's lives and and the decisions that that children make even well into adulthood or things that they're thinking about doing they they consult their parents pretty deeply. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because um it's very common in every situation to think like oh well I experienced this so this must be a very common experience that everyone experiences or everyone experiences this thing in the same way. What I've come to learn talking with more, you know, South Asian people, not just Indian, but Pakistani or, or Sri Lankan or even, um, you know, middle uh, people of Middle Eastern descent. Um, there is obviously huge parental involvement um, into adulthood about, you know, lifelong decision making. And what I've learned about my parents is that they're a lot less intense. I know I just told the story about my dad, you know, <laughs> at a spreadsheet. But I've learned that, you know, the pressure, the quote unquote pressure that they're, they're putting on me is a lot less intense than what I've heard from other people, both male and female, uh, that are that are in sort of my situation. They're, they're first generation, like Indian Americans or Pakistani Americans or um, any sort of Middle Eastern or South Asian descent. Um, I seem to like have it relatively easy. Like it's they're not they're not conditioning like, you know, financial support or emotional support or contact even on me following what they want me to do or me doing what they want me to do. So it's, it's sort of weird to realize like, Oh, I thought it was bad. And I thought my parents were being really overbearing and putting a lot of pressure on me, but I've seen some other people and I got it easy compared to them. Well, thank you, Ajay. You've, uh, Oh, thank you for yeah, having no, me. You answered a lot of our questions like as you know, we're outsiders and, you know, we don't we know we're ignorant, but we don't want to celebrate that ignorance. So this was an attempt on our part to try to learn a little bit more by someone who can give us a better bit a better perspective on the culture. And I think you certainly did that. So I want to thank mm -hmm. you so much for uh, stopping by with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. Cool. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. I hope you make it to right. Netflix, Indian Netflix. <laughs> yeah, we'll be watching for you. Uh, actually, it's, it's funny to say about a few days ago on Instagram, I got this like random unsolicited message from um, someone claiming to be an associate producer from the company that made the show Love is Blind on that. Oh, do it. What? Do it. Love is Blind. No, no, no. Do it. And, and, and they're, they're just like, oh, you're, we're looking for like eligible singles in the Houston area. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, this is like clearly spam. Like, you know, I looked at the person's profile. I'm like, oh, like two followers, you know, clearly spam. And, uh, but 
apparently based on her other pictures on her profile, this associate producer was putting together a casting for Married at First Sight. Oh boy, can you imagine? Uh, where it's oh, you know, no. literally, yeah. No, I, I mean, I didn't know about, I, I didn't know the show existed, and then I learned about literally it's oh two people meet at the altar, like literally what people think arranged marriages. <laughs> now it's are a game show. Yeah, that's literally what they're doing with you know. Oh Westerners. boy. Oh my god. Well, it all works. I love out. TV. <laughs> I love TV so much. It makes me so happy. <laughs> so great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jay. Anyway, guys. thank you. Thanks. All right. Bye. Thanks, guys. I'm out. Bye. 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 <laughs> that was fun and informative. It was, yeah. I feel was good. less ignorant because mm-hmm. we don't just want to like you know. I just I just don't want to be. Ign- we we are ignorant Americans, U.S. Americans. Let's be honest, but. Let's do whatever we can to try to be a little bit less, a smidge less ignorant. Yeah. And right? of course, let's, you know, let's be clear in what we mean by ignorant. It's not an insult. It's just a fact. And ignorance means you don't know something. It doesn't mean you're stupid yeah. or willfully. So you just don't know. And, and now that now we're no longer ignorant. It's that easy to learn, everybody. We're a little less. We're ignorant. less ignorant. We're, right. We solved all yeah. the world's problems with that one conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's finish up with uh, with Jenny and submit. Um, it becomes clear that at least to his parents, this isn't an issue of her being an American, Jenny being an American. It's an issue of age. Yeah. And that it embarrasses them and embarrasses the family. Awkward. Good thing Jenny wasn't there for that. that how, how many times have we seen some version of the age thing come up in the show? Like multiple couples per season have some problem with this, like Angela and Michael. This and- seems to be, though, the biggest like this seems to be the most significant though objection we've seen from a family Mm -hmm. but like rightfully because it's not just that she's older it's that he brought her over from the u.s under the yeah it's a whole deceit deceit thing her living in their house becoming kind of like a friend of the family and then it turns out that they've been sleeping together this whole time like of course it's just so many layers of of untruths and all of this it's of course. They, I think it's not just age. It's probably like they're just sick of her. They're like, anybody but her at this point, please. <laughs> You've had enough of her. Yeah, you can tell it's really hard for them. I don't think the other couples and their parents have like, I don't think it's been as hard for them. You can like the mom's crying. The dad just looks crushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what Jay was saying. It's like, it's- you know, their, their peers are going to judge them. Like it's going to hurt the family's friends. They're probably worried that their friends might stop talking to them because of who their son is marrying, which seems crazy. But I mean, like we saw how Sumit's friends, wives or girlfriends were treating Jenny. I mean, that happens in Mexico too. It's not that crazy. Mm -hmm. It seemed like there was probably like a pretty rough situation for a couple of years, like with the arranged marriage, like they were kind of hinting at it and he flat out was like i wanted to kill myself yeah, yeah he said three yeah. times Ooh, yeah so like clearly like that's Ugh. really serious like did he attempt suicide like how serious obviously like yeah. to say it out loud like that's that's really serious mm-hmm. and so they're probably torn between like we really want him to be happy and we don't ever want him to be in that situation again where he'd rather die than yeah you know be f- in this marriage so they want him to be happy but at the same time there's like all that deceit and like the embarrassment too. Like that's really embarrassing that you opened up your home and you like took this person out and, 
embraced her as like a family member and then you find that out probably introduced them to the very friends of the family who are now like wait what the hell happened and like he got married and then divorced now it's her it was her all along like yeah it's embarrassing for that's painful that's really painful but i I can see how he was like come on just think about it just think about it and they're like we're okay we're going to i think they are gonna come around eventually either that or man they've got to go back to palm springs yeah. or something <laughs> i know that's what i think they should do totally. sure. are you or guys- somewhere else can they go to another country like it doesn't have to be the u.s but like maybe that's the the compromise like then they can just kind of be like oh yeah he uh got married to a foreigner i don't know are you guys gonna He's do another really ad read for palm springs Another what? Ad read for Palm Springs. Yes. I love Palm Springs. I'm, <laughs> that's that's why I'm so I'm pushing for them to go. I think Palm Springs is awesome. Yeah. It makes me sad for the, the parents. Because, I mean, the point that they make of like, hey, we're getting old. We're going to need your help. Yeah. It's true. That's a good yeah. point. And like, uh, it seems like in that culture, that's really important. Just like in many other cultures, you take care of your parents. And it would be nice no. to have a daughter-in-law who also can help take care of you rather than somebody who needs to be taken care of. I mean, rather than be on the wheelchair next to you. Yeah, no, the parents are going to have to take care of Jenny. They might, (laughs) quite frankly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Well, so one, one like postscript to all of this, I had to rewind this because I, I, I'd never seen anything like this before and I'm not making fun. It's just kind of an interesting note. When Sumit goes to meet his parents, part of the greeting ritual is that he touches their feet. Oh, Remember that yeah. in the video? He like bent over, touched yeah, yeah, the feet yeah. of his of his father and then like gave him a hug and then did the same with his mom. And then it's just so like, it just so obviously happens that they have to like, they have to cut away and they, they go to the, the, um, the camera, the camera face. They go to the camera face camera head. and they, uh, <laughs> he explains in India, uh, it's a sign of, of greeting and respect to touch your parents' feet. I would just love to know. I'm just going to throw this out to the universe and maybe an answer will come back to me. I would love to know where that started. It's a fear factor. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe Rogan. Them that you're not afraid. He's, Joe Rogan has done three things. He's done a podcast. He's done fear factor. I guess news radio. And then the fourth thing is he invented touching your parents' feet. <laughs> I'd like news radio. It was a great show. It was a, yeah, it was a great show. Um, I'd rather touch someone's foot than their hand. Oh, the feet are cleaner. No. To say hello. The feet are cleaner. The feet touching would bring me so much anxiety. It would be like, uh, are my nails okay? Hands are Did disgusting. I get a pedicure? Oh, I hate oh you mean you don't want your feet hands. to be touched because you're afraid of what they look like? No, I don't. Uh, Paula. Oh, wait. Are you talking yeah, about Paula? Paula? Yeah. I just, I would be super self-conscious of like, how do my feet look? I was like the pedicure. <laughs> I don't know. Are you normally? Oh, so you're like normally you think about feet probably more than the average person. Yeah. You know, it's an ingrained thing growing up in Mexico. And like, since I was a kid, it's like, you got to have your nails done got to have a pedicure done. Your hair needs to be nice. Your makeup, whatever. Feet so were part of the list. Every time I see my mom. Yeah. Every time I see my mom, she criticizes either my hair or my manicure or my pedicure. Really? Every time. So in a way, when you greet your parents, there is there's a foot thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. Wow. My mom's okay. like, time to get a pedicure. Oh, jeez. Como se dice, yeah. time to this get a pedicure. Time, this last time I saw them, she pointed out how many gray hairs I have. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? It's like, that's mom. Yeah, that's just how they are. So I would just be like, Ugh, are my feet okay? 
<laughs> All right, last call on Jenny Smith or Paula's feet. <laughs> <laughs> Move to Palm Springs. Yeah. Yeah, just go to Palm Springs. All right, who's the next couple, Paula? B- before uh, before we introduce, we can... can I motion to skip Yazan and Brittany and Tim and Melissa since like nothing happens and it seems like all they're doing is teeing up for a future episode? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's fine. Yep. I second that motion. Cool, cool. So, Kenny Armando. Ooh, yeah. That was a sad. That was sad. Yeah, really sad. Did Armando go a little too? Did he go a little too far? A bringing up the engagement at all, and B in front of everybody instead of just the mom. Should he maybe have waited? Nah, I think I think he just wanted to get it over with. I'm not yet. And honestly, no judgment one way or another. It's well, just. Well, I think Kenny's right. I think Kenny is like, look, it's like a band aid, basically. Pull it off. And do it like, yeah, I see her, his mom's point. It'd be nice if it was a little bit separate, but I think it's just the sooner you get it out there, the better. I guess it depends on his relationship with his mom. And it seems like they're close. So I would have definitely told my mom first privately and then everyone else. Hmm. My mom would be pissed for sure. If I would have been yeah. like, hi, everyone, we're engaged. Yeah, you're supposed to call your mom like right after. It happens. You yeah. tell your parents first. So, yeah, she was probably really hurt. Mm. Yeah, and you can tell she's just like looking down and just, oh, it was so awkward for everyone. Just like no one reacted. Like at least give them a heads up so that they can, I don't know, so that you have like somebody, like your parents a heads up before you get there. How It looked like they had been driving all day yeah. long. Yeah. They were so nervous. Like, oh my gosh. They were freaking out on the way there. And then when the minute he sees um, all the family, I guess they didn't know that all the family was going to be there. They I thought know. it was just going to be that the was parents. Hilarious. Was they that maybe that's why he didn't call ahead because he was like, oh, it's just going to be my mom and dad. But then turns out Yikes. there's like another 30 cousins and aunts and uncles. Oh, the tias, the primos, <laughs> everyone. But like, yeah. honestly, Armando should have expected that. Coming from a Mexican family, that would have been my family. They would be like, oh, my God, Paul is bringing Brandon, the new guy. Oh, oh my yeah, God, there oh my are God. so many Guzmans. Oh, my God, oh, my God. oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. There was a, God, what game did we play at the Guzman Christmas two years ago? Like, there's, like, whole games that incorporate, like, all the hundreds of Guzmans. <laughs> <laughs> it's like trivia, but of the family. That's yeah. what it was. It was a trivia game of what? the family. <laughs> Oh yes, God, so much fun. And like one of the questions was name all of the primos, um, the cousins um, from oldest to youngest. And it was like people had a buzz in and Paula's the oldest and she has like what, 20 cousins? 30 something. I don't know. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Family trivia. It's fun. Everyone's like screaming and drunk. and <laughs> But... <laughs> But yeah, that would have been my family if I would have been like, hey, mom, I want to bring over my new boyfriend just for you to meet. Forget it. E- everyone would have been there. Oh, my aunts, my cu- my grandma, the neighbors. Mm. That's pretty normal. So I really feel bad for Kenny. He's like, what? Yeah, that's that's intimidating. Plus, they're seeing the little girl off too, right? Like they're about to take her home, so they also were like, "We gotta say goodbye to her." Everybody oh my god, wasn't well, she precious? And she she was so happy to see Kenny. Yeah, yeah she's so yeah. sweet. Oh my gosh, you know. So it was nice to see that he's already developed a relationship with Armando's daughter. You know, 
considering she doesn't have a mother anymore, that second parent is going to be important. And I tell you what, that little girl is going to grow up right because she has two dads that oh my God. love her. Kenny, it, he, from what we've seen, he's an amazing dad. He's going to be great to mm-hmm. Hannah. He's going to be great. It was nice that there was a connection between Kenny and uh, Armando's mom about like missing you know, a child about how he had to leave his adult children behind. And you could tell that there was, that there was a moment there where she, I think understood like, okay, Kenny's, I may not really understand like being gay or like what this is all about or whatever. And I may not agree with it or whatever, but here's at least a person who's a father who, who gets it. They're going to come around. They just, they just need time to process it. It doesn't make it any easier, but like, I think they just need time. Hopefully, the like the exchange with the dad was so yes. awkward. Yeah, I yeah. uh, hey, it could have been worse, man. Yeah, that's thank, true. Thank God the cameras were there, because so I kept feeling like the dad was like looking in the camera, like he'd spike the lens every now and then, like oh. What 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 do you think would have happened if there weren't cameras around? Um, I mean, I think it's definitely possible. Uh, I don't know her. Or Armando's father, so I'm not saying what I think he would have done, but I think having a camera there keeps somebody a little bit more reserved mm. and accountable. Like maybe saying certain thing, you would you would not say certain things because the cameras are there. Because uh, we're not talking about somebody holding a cell phone. Yeah, we're talking about a camera crew, producer, boom guy, probably at least two cameras. Uh, really probably three. So it's like without an entire crew there, you might find out what he really thinks. And that might've been really, really hard for Armando Mm. and Kenny, to be honest. How did Kenny not cry in that episode? That's, um, that's actually the craziest thing I think I've seen in this show. I think he was holding it back because he definitely wanted to a couple times, but he was holding it back. But thank goodness for the person who, uh, you know, when it was all silent and somebody finally blurted out, are we going to be invited? Yeah. It's like, I know. oh, good job. Yeah. That's what Excellent. you got to do. That silence felt like it went on forever. It you know what that moment? It hurts my heart for them. You know what it could have used? A good comedic fart. <laughs> right? <laughs> then everyone would have laughed. That would have really. And, and, the, and yeah, the fire would have like plumed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So, Paula, uh, I think we talked about this in, in some previous episodes of soiree but since this is so timely um what in in terms of like the the level of acceptance or sort of the trajectory that that mexico is on to accept uh gay people culturally is it do you think it's at this point kind of like a urban versus rural thing which is frankly kind of the case in the u.s it's definitely accepted in mexico city and in guadalajara which are the two biggest cities but if you go to monterrey where i'm from it's the third biggest city. No, it's not. Really? It's a very, yeah, they're very Catholic, very conservative. And while some families are accepting, obviously, the norm is still very, that's a sin and don't be gay. Hmm. And I know, like, I know, I, I know people that are still in the closet with their families because. They just know that the relationship would be destroyed. Hmm. The way Mexico's kind of divided, the North were very conservative, very Catholic, whatever. The entire country is very Catholic, but the North is very conservative and the South 
that's where all of the arts are. You have a lot of artists, painters, musicians, uh, all of the good food, theater, dance, all of that is concentrated in the South. Mm. So that definitely allows for more accepted, like the acceptance kind of way of thinking, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So that's why people that are gay or lesbian or bi or whatever, they tend to go to Mexico City hmm. or like the south of Mexico or out of Mexico. Hmm. So it depends on the area. And I mean, yeah, they're in a rural area. So that's definitely way more challenging. And like Todd said, I mean, that's still an issue in rural areas in uh, U.S. America as well. Yeah. So it's not like. Yeah, we, we're, not, we're not getting a pass on this. Still an issue. Man. Yeah, because you can, t- like, uh, there's a scene where, like, the ants, they're like, oh, we're really happy for him, but, like, we want to be in the place of our sister. You know, how it's, like, really hard. And it's just, like, like I almost feel like the family, they're like, oh, we're so happy for you, but they didn't want to react when he said he was engaged because they're all waiting to see how the mom reacts. Yeah. I think maybe what is helpful sometimes, and I have, I've seen this with my own family, is you just, like, don't understand what you've never spent any time around and you've never met if you never met anybody like that like all you can do is go off of like what you've heard from other people um which is usually kind of ugly right once they finally make a gay friend and they realize like oh (laughs) this is a really great person like they're they're a normal person they're really fun then they start realizing like well i i love that person like i want them to have the same stuff i do and it changes everything and it just becomes normal. But it, that has to happen, I think. And until you have that experience, like that one-on-one experience with somebody, like if you don't know anybody, it's for most people, that's, I think it's just too hard for you to, to understand because it feels like it's not, it, it's like a different, I don't even know how to describe it, but it, it's different once you know somebody. No, it's absolutely yeah. right. I remember in, in, yeah. in film school, there's the, the production side of, uh, radio, television, film, and then there's media studies. And for whatever reason, uh, all of the media studies grad students um, who also taught classes were all international. I don't know why. Just was the case. And what I remember most about those classes, it was always usually uh, kids who came from small Texas towns um, being like, oh. <laughs> like there was always this moment of epiphany, whether in the class or you know, the little TA sessions talking not only with their uh, professor, their TA with which were from places like, you know, Chile or Israel and, you know, wherever else in the world, but also like, you know, the rest of the student body, it was being exposed to different people, different ideas. When you realize like you could have so many more things in common with, you know, someone from a completely different part of the world than you do with, you know, the 10 people that you still know from your hometown. And it's just not obvious, unfortunately, to people when they're still at their hometown that, hey, people are all the same anywhere you go. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much pigments in their skin. doesn't matter what language they speak. And I don't know how we get that message out. I think, yeah, you just like uh, Armando's family is going to come around because they're going to eventually process this and say, well, he's still an amazing father. He's still an amazing cousin, 
brother, nephew, whatever, like he's still the same person. So we love him. His his husband must be awesome too. He seemed great. He was really nice. There is like a small amount of people who, of course, like immediately kick out their kid once he or she comes out, sure. which is absolutely disgusting. Yeah. And oh, there's no excuse for that. That's like a Yeah, that's awful. That's awful. And Unless they're like twenty two. Yeah. Because I remember there was a kid in Alabama who was kicked out of his house because he was gay, but his parents knew he was gay and he was 22 and he had a GoFundMe. And I'm like, I'm not donating your GoFundMe. You're 22. Your parents should have kicked you out four years ago. Not for being gay, but you for being know, an adult. for being an adult. Yeah, it's taken. I have a, a good friend I went to culinary school with and she came out, um, pretty recently I think maybe three years ago and uh her parents super super religious um Houston folks and it took them up until maybe six months ago and they finally started acknowledging her uh her partner who she's been living with for over two years they've been asking about her it it took a long time but it's still happened because I think they realize it's like well either like (laughs) You're going to miss out on all these really important things in yeah. my life and we can just go on, yeah, it's you know, a, I think having it's a, a relationship where you can, yeah. Well, yeah. You know how freaking heartless Dick Cheney was, uh, metaphorically mm-hmm. and literally, mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. uh, but he, he would not, and back in, you know, 2000 and 2004, this was a huge issue. He would not talk against gay marriage because his daughter was gay. And so for a, such a prominent Republican not to take that position, uh, I mean, I, it's, I'm struggling to come up with an equivalent in today's political world, but it's like, it's like, it's like a Republican saying that they're not, they won't be for abortion, or they won't be, say they're pro-choice. Like, that's how mm. big a deal it was back then when marriage equality was a state-by-state issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he loved his daughter. As he had exposure, heartless. Yeah, that's the person he was. <laughs> I mean, one of the things yeah, that I, I like right. once again, figuratively, but also literally, <laughs> did not have a heart. <laughs> one of the things that I like so much about this show is it turns a mirror to U.S. American culture, and you see people from the United States, many of whom have never traveled outside of the United States, or or maybe they've gone to like, you know, neighbors, Canada, Mexico. But now they're dealing with cultures that are very different from theirs, either because they're bringing somebody in or they've went and visited or or they're moving in the case of the other way. They're moving and becoming expats. And the insight that, that they gain from that experience, even when it's somebody that you think is like relatively closed-minded, like Angela and Michael. So here's this woman from Hazelhurst, Georgia, which is kind of out in the middle of nowhere towards the coast in, you know, southern Georgia. She's dating a black man in Nigeria and she's upset with the immigration system in the US. And yes, like we talked about in the past, like, well, guess who she even said she voted for and like, surprise, surprise, like now they're cracking down on immigration and and you're the victim of this now. Like, what did you think would happen? But still, like you can tell that she's at least gained some clarity on on this issue in particular, that she is now going to be more sympathetic to the idea of immigration overall. Because she understands not everybody is what this caricature is that these politicians say immigrants are. 
the, I, I think that the most important thing anybody can do to broaden their their horizon and their intelligence and their understanding of 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 humanity is simply to travel and to go to a yeah. place that is really different you know like it it's it's so like it's convenient for us americans to go to canada and mexico and yes mexico is a different country but usually the places that people that us americans go to in mexico are very american yeah don't yeah. go to cancun yeah. It's it's Cancun or it's it's um what's the island off the on a cruise yeah. going on a cruise and you get off at the uh, duty free yeah. shop that do- sorry work. folks it doesn't yeah, count that. like that's you're still getting Margaritaville is yeah. <laughs> still you're you're getting an Americanized yeah. version of something that just you know but if you're gonna go, like okay go on a cruise go to you know go to a place like Barbados or Trinidad and Tobago and see like real like cr- serious Caribbean like very different different currencies. You know, you want to buy something, you got to go to a bank and and get whatever their currency is, right? Like that's a real experience. And you start to see like, we just all have so much more in common than, than, than is different. And it's just that simple. For sure. Go get a passport. You out there, if you don't have one, get one ASAP. Especially now. Get a passport. Please. Like you'd be surprised once you have a passport. Even if you don't have plans, get a passport. Just get a passport. Get it over with. Don't, because that'll just be the hurdle why you don't go. Like, oh, maybe I have a chance to go. To, I, I could go over to like, you know, Vancouver. No, you can't. I'm sorry. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> it's, it's post 9-11. Like, you got to have a passport to go to Canada. Sorry. And then make sure you watch the episode of uh, 90 Day where Elizabeth's family goes to Moldova <laughs> and use that as a lesson in what yeah. not to do when you travel. <laughs> yes. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I take it back with Canada, actually. Go to Canada. I, I I don't want to discount like it is. It's about as close as you can get to being U.S. American. Go to Montreal, but it's going to be different enough that you're going to notice and you're going to realize. You're going to look around and see people that look like you, probably, and sound a lot like you, but they're going to have different values, and you're going to pick up on that pretty quickly. Like you, you're going to see yeah. that people are I concerned. They're just generally more concerned with people's welfare in Canada, and that yeah. is so apparent. From just like walking around, interacting with people, and hearing their stories. Yeah. Go to Palm Springs. <laughs> <laughs> Experience their culture. Find out why they live there when it's 135 degrees in the mm-hmm. summer. Wait till the pandemic's over, though, because. Yeah, it's, don't it's get special. me started on that. I just want to say if you are going to go to Cancun, wear a fucking mask yes. and like use your manners with Mexicans there. We have friends that just went to a tourist town that you guys know but we won't say their names on air for obvious reasons, but uh, they went to a tourist town and they were around mostly Americans. and That are not allowed anywhere but in Mexico. Yeah. So now they have COVID. Now they have COVID. And I'm from what? Yes. 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 And you know what? That sucks. That really sucks. But you know what sucks even more for the people that live there and work there and don't have the same access to healthcare like you do here? So, uh, yeah. anyone out there that is planning to go to Mexico to the beach, wear a mask, practice social distancing because they're also humans. Or just don't go. Or don't go. Yeah. We canceled our trip. Yes. Yeah, we canceled we our trip. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, we were, uh, we keep talking about Cancun. We were going to Cancun. <laughs> That's where <laughs> we were planning on going. at least, or Tulum. Don't go to Cancun. Okay. We- well, we have we have a place we yeah. really love. Okay. Is it the same like, one as Love is Blind? Yes. Yes. 
it's the it's the resort they're at and love love is blind we stayed there before the show it's not because of the show it is magical it's the most magical place i've ever been it's the best week i've ever had in my entire life was being at that resort it was really great like we are definitely like i would give anything we to go love back. challenging travel and like going to unusual places and experiencing things that are completely alien and like you don't know what you're going or, or what you're doing or where you're going we love that stuff but also sometimes just to go oh, sit yeah. on a beach and like not have to pay yes. any money and eat at great well, that's restaurants. That's the only time it's we've magical. ever done anything oh, it was great. like that. We've never done anything <laughs> like that. And it was like, it felt like we had died. Like it, it just felt like, we had, like that. that's what happens when you die. Like you're, you're just like, stuck at this like beautiful resort in Mexico and there's only like one oh. other family there, but there's so much staff everywhere. And the like, staff, that's what it felt I don't like. know why it, they're so much nicer than they are here. Oh my gosh, they're amazing. We got invited to this guy's, uh, like, what did he, like, everybody was so friendly. That's the other thing. Like, actually talk to people. Don't just, like, yeah. ask them to go get you another margarita. Like, actually ask them about their life, too. Like, that's something to do, even if you go to a yep. touristy area. And they're confident. We stayed in a place called Mia Moore, which we absolutely love in Tulum. And the, our, the I don't know, he was, like, the concierge or Ricardo. whatever. Ricardo. Ricardo was like, welcome to Mia Moore. You'll be back. <laughs> and we're dying said. to go back. Yeah, we're dying to go back. You know, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you guys? Does anybody have anything else for Kenny and Armando? I just feel the pain. I mean, I've never had to go through that. Where you, it's like a given, right? If you're a straight person, you announce yeah. that you're getting married. Everybody, everybody goes, cheers. Everybody, cheers. everybody wants yeah. to get you a gift. People like want to see your ring. They, yeah. they ask you the story. They like they react to it. They're not silent. So I. We'll never know what that's like, like and I can't imagine. We could have we could overdub Kenny saying instead of I'm getting married, I have cancer. And that reaction would have that's true. worked just that's true. as fine. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, at least like I don't know. I, f- I feel like uh you can at least fake it, I guess because I fake my reaction so much to people's like announcements about being <laughs> pregnant. I mean, you know, like, you especially right now, the fake I'm excitement. sorry. <laughs> Can we just talk about pregnancy announcements right now? Ugh. Like at this point in the world, like I've, there's so many of them, like there's so many of them. It's like about that time when like a lot of people are announcing their pregnancy and it's just like, it takes every ounce of strength for me to be like, wow, that's so exciting. Yeah, you're like, you're Have you read the news? <laughs> Have you read the I news am. at all? <laughs> the word, fucking gender reveals. <laughs> I know people still doing them. Who the fuck is still doing? How is that still a thing? But they're still doing it. They get excited when it's pink or blue. It's like, it's a 50-50 chance. There's not. Who cares about the no genitals of your baby? I don't care. But cool. No one cares. Pop a balloon, whatever. Or you know, like py- the pyrotechnics. Come on, that's got to stop. That's just yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, or set a whole state yeah, on fire. That's just offensive. For your baby. I guess for people who are like, I want the reveal to be a surprise, but I kind of want it to be a surprise for like everybody. Like it's kind of an interesting option to engineer a thing where you, in front of all your friends and family, like you all find out together. Like that's kind of neat. But the part that that bugs me about it is that it's this weird like entrenchment of gender roles that's like built into the very reveal where it's going to be like the thing that you're doing is going to be revealed in blue or pink my favorite gender reveal cake ever and this was passed around somebody made a uh, presentation on gender roles and gender reveal cakes my favorite one ever was uh 
badges or bow ties, as in police badge or bow tie, for as if police is a gender. You can be born a cop, I guess. But why would a woman be a bow tie? <laughs> exactly, because that's your only option, I guess. You either have a job <laughs> or you wear, or you you wear, wear ribbons in your hair. You wear a bow tie, you look pretty. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Not bow tie like tuxedo, tie but like like, like a bow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, a pink okay. one, and it better goddamn yeah. be pink. So yeah. you were either a cop, or you yeah, just wear a ribbon. Yeah, assigned cop at birth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. No pressure. Wait, assigned cop <laughs> at birth. A C A B. I was assigned. <laughs> I was assigned cop at birth. No big deal, everybody. Wow. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so bad at sur- like my surprise reactions. So bad that I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, because if it was a boy, I would be very visually disappointed. <laughs> it would be awkward. I'd probably yeah. be like, fuck! <laughs> there are videos you can look up of people like fails like gender reveal party fails like i saw one where this mom was like carrying way too much stuff and then her little boy popped the balloon oh. and it like all the blue streamers went everywhere and she was like damn it <laughs> oh my God. what are you touching that for and the little kid's just like what did i do <laughs> no. i have to watch this now Oh All right, uh, our last couple of the night, Angela and Benyam. No, it's not Angela. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Real life swap. Jeez, Brandon, do all white ladies dating Africans look alike to you? <laughs> this podcast sponsored by Kirkland Signature Premium Golden Margarita Wine oh, Cocktail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is ready to drink right out of the bottle. It's so That's sugar. Sure. You know how I know there's going to be a party at my parents' house when my dad has bought a bottle of that stuff? <laughs> oh, my God. That's going to be branded in 40 years, 50 years. The same bottle. 10 years. <laughs> Still working off that yeah, bottle. That's him now. That's Son. Him now. Sorry. Ariola and Benyam. So she's probably, what, eight months pregnant at this point? Yeah, I think so. Can right? someone... Ex- is this like a... I'm sorry if this is an offensive question, but can somebody explain her dialect to me her dialect yeah she has a very interesting accent what do we call it am i there's there's a way that she speaks there's like a a pattern that a way that she kind of formulates her her statements and her questions and especially when she gets a little worked up but yeah she she has a very like unique way of speaking i don't know how to describe it i feel like we need a a speech therapist on Next well, week, next week's where, show. Where is she from? Where is she from? What a question. What a mysterious yeah, question. I, what, a, what a mystery, hmm. Brandon. Where is Ariella from? <laughs> oh, boy. Thank you, Brandon. That, that's, <laughs> that that's, a, uh, that's a new segment on our show. Uh, it's just when somebody asks a question, you're going to hear the X-Files theme. That's it. That's the segment. Hey, Thanks Todd, for joining you know us. the secret fitting. of comedy? Timing. Timing. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> Ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The prices. Okay. Let's play the prices right in Ethiopia. You know what I hate about Ethiopia? The prices. 
I love too that Ariella was like, "What in the world? I thought this place was gonna be Honestly, cheap." Honestly, I like like the words I out of my too. mouth. Really? Yes. Like that's you, why living you in the U.S. Like, is good because things are cheap here. They're expensive everywhere else. If I had to guess, and somebody was like, "How much is a how much is a bassinet?" <laughs> Five cents. Yeah. The the so the a reason dollar. why it's a dollar. So. Uh, who was it? Um, Asuelu was saying this, and you know, I was like, I can relate to that. We had the same experience in Iran. The reason why you have to bring so much stuff is because things that we feel as like a normal part of our lives are very expensive in a lot of other countries. For Iran, at the time, it was electronics. Now, I'm sure it's everything because they have like all of these sanctions. I understand why. Americans would think things are cheaper in like countries that are not as nice, but it's the exact opposite. The reason those places aren't as nice is because all the things that you associate with a nice style of living are extremely expensive. Hmm. And at least for cars, um, it's not just the fact that it's the expensive importing because as the uh, car sales lady points out, they're landlocked, so they don't have a seaport. Yep. So things got to travel by train or, or truck. Uh, but also, the government puts a two hundred percent tax on it. So if the car costs ten thousand, you got to pay twenty thousand, and ten thousand goes to the dealer, and ten thousand goes to the government. So it's a it's a double that, whammy. That's like so. I uh, was in Cuba for. Two weeks, I guess, and the cars there, like it's it's known for having those like amazing classic cars, but those are like two hundred thousand dollars. Like to have one of those is incredibly expensive, and I think just a regular sedan is something like fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, just because they have the government marks up the price so much. Yeah, of cars. We have a family member that. And I don't understand his business completely, but he has like a company that it's somehow related to Cuba and he would go to Cuba all the time and bring like tons and I'm talking tons of clothes, school supplies, shoes, toys, mm-hmm. uh, cleaning supplies, whatever. He would bring them back to Cuba because he can afford it over there. Yeah, that's what we were doing. We were bringing, um, we were bringing skate supplies to their um, to their club teams and to their national team because they just like had no, they had, they were like professional speed skaters and like kids who were speed skating to try to be professionals eventually. And they like, the wheels were w- worn down yeah. to like nothing. And they had no way of getting new stuff without this group that I was a part of coming in once a year. I was just imagining they had a uh, rollerblades with like little rocks. Like the Flintstones? Yeah, pretty much like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, we were like looking at their gear and we're like, oh my God, how are y'all doing this? That's, yeah, it's not as simple as just being like, well, I need a new wheel. It's interesting to to try to unpack like why we as US Americans think everything is cheaper elsewhere. Because there is this interesting, like, I don't know, inverted bell curve kind of thing going on, Brandon, about prices and commodities and all of that so like what are the things that we when we go to another country we're like oh man that's so cheap so it's often food food and beverage 
So like you go to Mexico and it's just really cheap to like have a really great meal. You know, people have these stories about like, oh, I went to like the Czech Republic and like beers are 50 cents or whatever. Like sometimes it's an exchange rate thing. Sometimes it's a like, well, this is just a cheap commodity here, like beer, or it's not taxed as much as it is in the US or something like that. We get ingrained with this thought of like these things that you run into on a fairly regular basis seem to be really cheap in other countries. But when you really think about it, there are other goods or services or commodities that are much more expensive overseas. So uh, I, I'm involved in like some um, software communities that have international head until recently international conferences all the time. And whenever there was something held in the U.S., the Europeans would be like, that's my shopping trip for the year. I go to the U.S., I buy all my laptops, my iPhone, like all yep. that stuff yep. because their value added tax in Denmark or Sweden or wherever ups the price by like 50%. They go to California yeah. or Oregon, a better example, where there's no sales tax at all. It's a huge discount. It's like a it's like a 30 to 50% discount on goods for them. And so we somehow assume that like, oh, but that computer should be cheap in another country because the meal was cheap or like the beer is cheap. It totally makes sense that once you hit a certain kind of good, yeah, that it's actually way more, either because they are a more heavily taxed country and i think most countries are more heavily taxed in the u.s i can't i'm pretty sure that's the yeah. case or it's yep. just the logistics like ethiopia being a landlocked country there's there's no way to get goods via uh ocean travel which is by far the cheapest way to ship something in in bulk totally makes sense i mean yeah. you just kind of have to get over the fact that like yeah just because you got like tacos in mexico city that were a dollar doesn't mean that you're somehow going to get a car cheaper in ethiopia <laughs> $17,000 for a, what, 2008 Toyota Yaris. 2001. So that was the second car they looked at. What? So the first was what? That was 17000 The first one was like 22000 oh, US. 22000 for a 2008 Toyota Yaris. I mean, brand new, it's less than that, right? How on earth does somebody in Ethiopia, because like thinking about, because he already talked about like how much he makes per week versus like that that apartment that they tried to rent. How on earth right. can somebody possibly afford a car, period? So according to the BBC, out of every thousand people, two of them have cars in Ethiopia. Yeah, wow. it's probably one of those things that only the people that are well off have a car, you know? Yeah, it's seen as a luxury item. Could they get a car and then is there Uber there? Like, could he make money driving Uber? Like, that Maybe. would be a, a good point. One thing that he brought yeah, up, which it? was a good point, is you don't have the same kind of depreciation yeah. of, like, of the car there because you don't have a new model <laughs> coming in. Like, any, like mm -hmm. the, the, the supply is so restricted that you could sell it probably for pretty close to what you paid for it. Yeah, that was an interesting detail. I'm seeing a price for a 2008 Toyota Yaris dealer retail price average is $2,800. Oh, wow. So uh, a lot there to dice, <laughs> to, to break down. Like, Right. This guy can barely pay the rent. I know. He's like, he has a day job, a night job, and he's about to have a like baby. He has like five jobs, and she's paying for shit out of her savings. And I like how the producer asks Biniam, he's like, are you comfortable with like her parents paying for some of the stuff to help you out? And he's like, yes. 
<laughs> That's a great answer because it's like, of course, he's he's not he's not being opportunistic. Yeah. He's just like, well, yeah, if they want to do it, then he's like, yeah, we need help. Of course, are you kidding? And of like any any couple in this show, like, God, this is the couple that you know. I feel like most people would want to give to. Yeah, I'd rather mm-hmm. give Binya money than Paul. <laughs> what is Paul God. gonna do yeah. with it? You give that Paul a thousand dollars. What's what do you think he would do with it? Travel around and try to see as many poop plants <laughs> as possible. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, how, like, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but like, people will go to every baseball park in right. the United States. You go to every water wastewater treatment. He's got that like scratch off poster they make for the national parks. <laughs> where you like scratch off the park every time you go to it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he goes to all of them, he'll eventually get a job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So um, it's funny. Like, Binyam kind of takes Ariola off to the side because he's, he's kind of embarrassed. And he's just like having to explain to her, like, look, this is it. This is the situation. Like, there's no let me speak to your manager and I'm going to get a th- half price car. Like, this is it. This is the reality <laughs> that we are in. It is what it is. So what are we going to do? We know we have to have a car and she just doesn't really want to accept that reality. And it's, it's kind of worrisome. Yeah. I think it's more of like, it's like, this is just another thing to add to the list of like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm in over my head. I have made all these assumptions. They were all wrong. Like what else is there? Yeah. Yeah. At least, at least I'll have a regular birth at the hospital. Yes, well, exactly. Just, That's probably what she's thinking. She's like, well, at least we have time. Like, we're, we're still a few weeks away. <laughs> I, I'm not here to judge anyone. But if you're going to move and give birth and raise a family somewhere else, do some fucking research. Like, we keep saying this. Yeah. Yes. And they just move like, oh, everything's going to be fine. It's just like the U.S. And then it's like, no, it's not. And come on. you. It's not a given that you're going to have a natural birth. You know, like you have to probably think like, okay, there's a chance I'm going to need a C-section. Am I okay with that? Man, is that going to be okay? That's scary, though. Yeah. If that were me, I would be like, all right, after this, what am I going to (laughs) eat? Yeah. I'm going to stop by this place and eat this and whatever. And then they're like, no, you're giving birth today. You're giving birth today. And there are two other cases ahead of you because they're very serious. Yes! So it's not just today, oh it's your third in line. And every time you have a question for this person giving the information, it's going to be, well, you should ask your doctor. <laughs> I know, he was so vague. This is like, I'm just an intern. <laughs> I'm just, this is, Tuesday was my first day, you know. Um, Although, to, to be fair, from what I understand, if you work in imaging in the medical industry, you are not allowed to share you're, even though you know anything. Oh, that's probably why he was so fucking. You're not vague. a doctor. Yeah, you are. You are. You're in radiology. You're in in whatever the sonogram technician word is. That's what you do. Yeah. You are not qualified to give any kind of of diagnosis or opinion. At least according to the patient, it would be you'd get in trouble if you did. So you have to say like. This is what we're looking at. I can tell you what we're looking at. I've never even had that much information. I've never heard anything from any of the imaging people ever. And I've had a lot of images. <laughs> Let me tell you about all the images. I've had MRIs. So I've had just know, side like note, six not, or seven MRIs. God knows how many x-rays. Not, not a, a note for the show, uh, but just to, about imaging. So 
a former coworker's husband uh, has been dealing with a uh, brain tumor for a long time. And he had to have some pretty serious oh. brain surgery to remove the tumor. So he has a gap like in his skull. There's a part of the brain missing. And he had to go in and he has to get regular MRIs to like check the growth and all of that. And they actually, because he works in a, in a scientific industry, um, in a computer science industry. So he's kind of of this mindset already. But he actually offers, because through an arrangement with a doctor, to be a test case for new imaging experts. So he knows what's going on in his head. He knows what the results are. And so when he gets in the MRI, he will like deliberately ask like, so what, what, what did you see? As, as if he's naive to like have oh. these people practice not yeah. giving Learning. anything away. And then wow. afterwards he's like, don't worry, I know. <laughs> oh my <laughs> know. God, that's terrible. I know that I'm missing part of my brain oh and that there's a tumor God. in there. Like, and they're like, whoo, oh boy. <laughs> but, but like, it's. So what do they see? Do they literally just see like just yeah. a missing brain? Like part of it, yeah. I mean, imagine seeing that's that. Wow. And just being like, oh, what the fuck? It's like a secret shopper, yeah, basically. It's like a, he's a secret shopper for people <laughs> who do MRIs on brains. God. Well, that's a nice way of processing what you're going through, you know? Let, let them practice yeah. with me. That's right. So I they like can, it. like, get over, like, seeing something shocking and knowing. Yeah. Tell you one, if I had a business like that, I would not hire a technician with beady eyes. Because <laughs> if you just got done with your image and you're like, let me try to get a read <laughs> on the guy, the assistant, and you look and his eyes are just like... <laughs> like this just like busting out of his face you'd be like oh my god i'm i'm dead i'm dying i'm this is the mm -hmm. end so only cool cats cool cats only imaging company and kittens the gv network cool cat and kitten company. radiology chill out i've been watching a lot of er before bed yeah. <laughs> so i feel like i'm learning All right, a what lot. are we talking about Ariel and Binyam. So she has, uh, she's having a C-section. And he tries to give her the Heimlich. And <laughs> the baby's breached. I had to Google what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, it means the baby's coming butt first for those that didn't Ooh. know. Yeah, out of like all of the worries that they had about the hospital, this is probably the worst case scenario. Um, but, you know, this hospital does do it. It's just the way that the doctor was talking to her. I don't know if it was just the language barrier, but it made it sound like the baby mortality rate is back in a play. He was like, yeah, you know, most of them are successful. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Like, honestly, she was handling it a lot better than I, oh I would. God, you would be fucking <laughs> flipping tables. Because like a C-section, they cut you open in the abdomen, right? Like right below the stomach. Yeah, and then they pull they pull it out. They put it on the table and then they cut open. The what thing. else do they cut open? Baby sack. The baby so they do they cut open is it like They cut the it they cut it open like an Amazon yeah. package. You try not to <laughs> You try not to cut through the eyeballs. Oh my god. You're really god. careful with your knife to not cut the eyeballs Jesus. and then they take it out and then they stuff it back in. They get they the tape. All back in. <laughs> they tape it back up. You can watch it on YouTube. Look at look up uh, the video of the C section on YouTube. It's very disturbing, especially find one with twins. They just stuff it right back in there. Like like stuffing a pillow into a pillowcase. Yeah, you just put it all back in. It's real gross. But you can there's a way, you know, if somebody wants to 
you stick a hand all the way up there and you try to spin it. You try to spin the baby around. Seriously, like that's a real thing. Like you just stick up your hand. You like, you lube up your hand. I assume you lube it. Yes, a nurse will will try to spin the baby. You put one hand on the belly. Step right up, step right up, spin the baby. (laughs) Yeah. And it works sometimes. And like, I don't think that all like medical offices are willing to do that all the time but like i just saw an episode of er about this actually (laughs) (laughs) the mom dies it's actually kind of sad oh yeah Ah! um i was a c-section baby and i survived my sisters who are twins also my mom is very proud of that that she had both me and my sisters uh yeah she's proud of it yeah because she i don't know i think she had one she doesn't drink at all but she had like one glass of wine one time and she was like nothing got stretched out <laughs> <laughs> and i was like that's gross but also yeah <laughs> i get it <laughs> yeah <laughs> good oh, yeah. lord that's a win <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last call on Binyam and Ariola. <sighs> what a cliffhanger. Oh, boy. It's scary. I, I, You're right, Brandon. She actually was handling it way better yes, than you or I would. I would be fucking going insane. Basically, once the doctor told us that, all he would see would just be like a cloud <laughs> in the shape of me and Paula. <laughs> and then it would like dissipate and he'd be like, oh, they're and there's gone. a hole in the wall. <laughs> and there's a hole in the wall. And our shape. shape. Your arms are outstretched. Yeah. What is that? Whenever you go through a oh, wall God. and you leave a hole, it's it's always like flailing. It's never yeah. like a condensed. Because you never hit a stud. You never hit a structural support. And your arms are always stretched out yeah. to the sides. That's what you do when you run through walls. God, I wish, I wish we lived in Roger Rabbit world, man. <laughs> Toontown? Yeah, well, not Toontown, but the Toon World, because there's Toontown, which is like the inner city for Toons, mm-hmm. and then there's like the rest, which is like they live too. So <laughs> it's like that'd be great. You mean the human world plus the Toon World? Yeah, but together. I wouldn't go to Toon World. That's too much. So <laughs> it's too much for me. But I would love if the Toons lived with us. You know. Hey everybody, it's been another way with the other way. What did everybody learn this week? I learned to always greet your parents by touching their feet. Ooh, that's a Paula. good one. <laughs> Paula, what I did you learn? I learned to always get a pedicure every day to have my feet ready for whenever someone says hi to me. In case your children come by. That's right. Yes. They want to touch your feet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brandon, what did you learn about your feet this week? Uh, I don't know anything about my feet, but I, I did learn that if you want to be featured on the soiree, you got to do more than talk to your sister or your best friends in the episode, uh, Melissa and mm-hmm. whatever her name was. Mm-hmm. What's her name? Someone help me. Brittany. Brittany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to do more than not get divorced if you want to be talked about. <laughs> Does anyone believe that it's the clerk's fault? Brittany screwed something up. 100%. It is not a bureaucrat's fault. No. It is clearly she didn't do something. Clearly her problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because nobody files for divorce in Chicago and lives in Miami and then moves to Jordan and then suddenly is like, oopsie, 
I have a hearing in Chicago. Was was she actually? Maybe she had like won the lottery for Hamilton tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, she wasn't there for three hours, and then she was like, "Oh, the envelope was empty." No, it wasn't. I guess we'll probably find out more next week about what is and is not in the envelope and what did and did not happen at the clerk's office. Kristen, what did you learn this week? I learned I got $20,000 coming my way from my Indian ex-husband once this divorce is finalized. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody. We will see you next week with another 90-day Soiree. Todd, ask me what's going to happen on next week's show. Brandon, what's going to happen on next week's show? Tune in to find out. <laughs> Not a great. I just I wanted to use it again. It's pretty good. Yeah.